Well, today we continue our study from 1 Peter. When we began the study, the first message was on hope. Peter was writing to Christians who were suffering, so he wanted to encourage them. The second message was on holiness. Peter said to us and to his reader that if one is a believer, that person is to be holy. God is holy. The Father is holy. Therefore, we are to be holy as well. We are to be different, set apart. Last week, as we continue, the message was on harmony. And Peter told us then that if we are believers, there is to be a sense of unity. That was the prayer of Jesus for his church, that we might be one as he and the Father are one. Well, as we continue our study, we come to a focus on submission. And in chapter 2, Peter says that we are to submit ourselves to the earthly authorities... In chapter number 3, he says that wives are to be submissive to their husbands. Now, men, I will get to that at a later time, so you'll want to have your wife here. And then in chapter number 5, he says that the younger believer is to be submissive to the elder believer. So the passage of Scripture we are looking at today is concerning submission. We have a problem with that. I see bumper stickers oftentimes that say challenge authority or question authority. We have a problem with the idea of submission. We don't like to submit. And so there is not a great deal of submission within the home today. I heard about an Englishman who had come to America for a while, and when he went back home, they asked him how America was, and he said, well, everything in America is run by switches except the children. Well, there's, there's just a lot of rebellion even within the home. I know there was in our home when Stephanie was a little girl growing up. Uh, there, there is an unwillingness oftentimes to submit to church authority. And so as a result of that, many times there is division, there is separation and so forth within the church, friction within the church, because there is an unwillingness to submit to authorities. Same thing is true within the schools. Rather than students submitting to the authority of teachers, oftentimes they attack the teachers, and then the parents turn around and sue the teachers. So there's not much submission today. Why is that? Why do we have such a problem in this area? Because, ladies and gentlemen, rebellion is at the heart of sin. One can go all the way back to Satan's rebellion. You know that Satan, before he became Satan, was Lucifer, an angel of God. And uh, he decided that he wanted to be God, that he was not going to submit to God. He wanted to be God instead, and so rebellion was in his heart. And then in the Garden of Eden, when God placed the tree of the knowledge of good and evil there and said to man, now don't eat of that. Don't eat everything else you can have, but don't eat of that lest you die. And yet man disobeyed. There was rebellion in his heart and he disobeyed the Lord. We don't like anyone telling us what to do, do we? Now, I know you look spiritual out there today, but the truth is none of us wants anyone telling us what to do. So we pick up where we left off last time. First Peter chapter 2, beginning in verse number 11. Beloved, I urge you as aliens and strangers to abstain from fleshly lust, which wage war against the soul. Keep your behavior excellent among the Gentiles, so that in the thing in which they slander you as evildoers, they may on account of your good deeds as they observe them glorify God in the day of visitation. 
Submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every human institution, whether to a king as the one in authority or to governors as sent by him for the punishment of evildoers and the praise of those who do right. For such is the will of God, that by doing right you may silence the ignorance of foolish men. Act as free men and do not use your freedom as a covering for evil, but use it as bond slaves of God. Honor all men. Love the brotherhood. Fear God. Honor the king. Servants, be submissive to your masters with all respect, not only to those who are good and gentle, but also to those who are unreasonable. For this finds favor if for the sake of of conscience towards God, a man bears up under sorrows when suffering unjustly. For what credit is there if when you sin and are harshly treated, you endure it with patience? But if when you do what is right and suffer for it, you patiently endure it, this finds favor with God. For you have been called for this purpose, since Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example for you to follow in his steps, who committed no sin, nor was any deceit found in his mouth. And while being reviled, he did not revile in return. While suffering, he uttered no threats, but kept entrusting himself to him who judges righteously. And he himself bore our sins in his body on the cross, that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. For by his wounds you were healed. For you were continually straying like sheep, but now you have returned to the shepherd and guardian of your souls. Submission. Why should we do it? Why should you submit to another authority? Well, Peter tells us three reasons. First of all, he says that we submit for the world's sake. Now look at verse number 11. Beloved, I urge you as aliens and strangers to abstain from fleshly lust, which wage war against the soul. Folks, the fact is people judge Christianity by observing Christians. And so they make their decisions about Christianity as they watch our lives. And so because that is true, Peter says, then we are to be submissive. Now, the word submit that is used is closely related to humility. In other words, we will never submit until, first of all, we have an humble spirit. It is also important that you understand at the time of this writing, Nero was the emperor. There was probably no one who treated the Christian more harshly than did Nero. And so understand within the context of this instruction, Nero is the emperor. So why then should we submit to someone like that? Well, because we're God's children on earth. That's the point that Peter is making. We are God's children on earth, and so he says in verse number 11, Therefore we are to abstain from fleshly lust. Now I know that when we read that in the Bible, normally we think of it within the confines of sexual sin, and it is that, but it's much more than that. Fleshly lust is much more than that. The Bible says in Galatians chapter 5, verses 19 through 21, Now the deeds of the flesh, fleshly lust. Now, the deeds of the flesh are evident, which are immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmities, strife, jealousy, outburst of anger, disputes, dissensions, factions, envying, drunkenness, carousing, and things like these. 
Now, now let's look at a few of these things that are, that are said to be lust of the flesh. First of all, he mentions immorality, and that does speak of sexual sin. That is a reference to sexual sin. And then he mentions idolatry. We say, well, I'm okay there. I don't have any idols. An idol is not just a little image that one has. It's not something that is just carved before which we bow. Ladies and gentlemen, an idol is anything that stands between you and God, whatever that might be. Now, it can be your job. It might be sports. It might be money. Whatever it is that takes priority in your life over God, that is your idol. So he mentions idolatry and then sorcery. The word sorcery is interesting because literally it refers to the use of drugs. Sorcery. And then he mentions jealousy. And that is the attempt to make other Christians look bad. You know, I'm jealous of this person. Maybe they have something that I would like to have and I'm jealous of that person. I want them to look bad now. That is jealousy. That's one of the lusts of the flesh. You know, it's easy whenever we keep it just concerning sexual sin, isn't it? But he mentions jealousy, anger, an outburst of anger. You see, we are to abstain from fleshly lust because we are citizens of heaven. Did you notice in that verse that he refers to us as aliens? The reason for that is because our citizenship is in heaven. If we are believers, our citizenship is in heaven. Though we live on earth, therefore he says that we are aliens and then strangers. That is a word that is used oftentimes in the Bible. It was used to refer to the patriarchs. It was said of Abraham that he went out not knowing where he was going, looking for a city whose maker was God. He was referred to as a stranger. The Jews were referred to as strangers. And truthfully, sometimes don't you feel like a stranger on this earth? In a world that is increasingly hostile to the values that you hold, to the Savior that you love? And we feel increasingly sometimes as if we too are strangers. So why are we to submit to earthly authorities? He says, well, because you're God's children on earth. We are to be submissive because we are God's children and we are to be God's witnesses on earth. And that's difficult for us because the church oftentimes is rejected, the message is rejected, and the church is slandered. Look at verse number 12. Keep your behavior excellent among the Gentiles, so that in the thing in which they slander you as evildoers, they may on account of your good deeds as they observe them glorify God in the day of visitation. The truth is, the church has always been slandered. The, the, the message of, of the gospel has always been slandered. Do you know some of the slander that was brought against the New Testament church? It might interest you to know that they, they were accused of being cannibals. And that goes back to the Lord's Supper in which was said, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. And so when they heard that about the church joining together to celebrate the Lord's Supper, the world concluded that they must be cannibals because of that. William Barclay wrote, The Christians were accused of killing and eating a child at their feast. So that is a part of the slander of which Peter speaks. The church was being slandered. They were believed to be cannibals, immorality. 
The, the church celebrated a love feast. Now, the love feast was sort of like our Wednesday night dinners or our potluck dinners when we all get together and eat together and love each other, just to have a fellowship, time of fellowship. That was called a love feast. Well, the, the world heard about the love feast that they were having and concluded that it was a sexual orgy that they were engaged in, so they accused them of that. They said the early church was anti-business. In Acts chapter 19, a revival broke out in Ephesus. And as a result of the revival that broke out, the ones who made the little idols of Diana were losing business. The people were no longer buying the little idols. And so they arrested Paul. There was a riot that occurred, and the church was accused of being anti-business. These people are hard on business. They were accused also of dividing the family. Because when someone became a follower of Christ, there was oftentimes division within the family. And so they said of the church that it divides the family. But the most damning charge of all was that they were disloyal to Caesar. You see, within the context of this passage of Scripture, once a year a Roman citizen had to burn a pinch of incense and say, Caesar is Lord. The Christian would not do that. The Christian replied, Christos is kurios. Christ is Lord. It isn't Caesar. Caesar isn't Lord, but Christ is Lord. And as a result of that, they were attacked for being unpatriotic. The truth is, it's always been difficult for us to share the gospel. The church has been slandered. The church is attacked. The message is attacked and rejected. And truth is, sometimes because that's true, we don't want to share the gospel, do we? We're more like Jonah. When God said to Jonah, I want you to go to Nineveh and share my message, he didn't want to go. Why did he not want to go? Because he didn't want them to be saved. He wanted God's judgment to rest on them. And sometimes we have a little bit of that feeling when the message of grace we proclaim comes under attack. Sometimes the truth is we don't want to share the gospel because we really don't want them to turn around. How do we share the gospel in a hostile world? By proclaiming God's excellencies. Look at verse number 9 in our text. You are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. The word excellencies that is used there means gracious dealings, glorious attributes. Folks, in order to effectively tell people about Jesus in a, in a hostile environment, we talk about the excellencies of God. What a great God we have. I was thinking about that in my devotional time this morning. What an awesome God we serve. What a gracious, wonderful God we serve. But you see, too often we want to talk about the programs of the church. We want to talk about the personalities of the church. If you want to make an impact for Christ in a world that is oftentimes hostile to the gospel, then we talk about the excellencies of God. That our God is a good God. Our God is a gracious God. Our God is a loving God. Instead, we talk about the excellencies of God. And then in verse number 11, he says, we abstain from evil, because if we are no different from the world, then why should the world follow the message we share? 
There's, we are not to be people who lust after the flesh because we are different from the world. And then he says, excellent behavior. Look in verse number 12. Keep your behavior excellent among the Gentiles. The word excellent means fine, attractive, winsome. Let me ask you a question just for your thinking. Your behavior excellent, winsome, attractive, when those people outside the church who do not know Jesus think of you, how do they think of you? Do they think of you as winsome? Do they think of you as a, someone they would like to spend time with? Is that the way they think of you? When Plato was told that someone was slandering him, making charges against him that were not true, he said, then I will live in such a way that no one will believe what he says. That's what we should do. If we are going to have an impact for Christ in this world that is often hostile to the gospel, live in such a way that all the charges that they would bring against us are ignored because you live a life of excellence, serving a God of excellence. So we submit for the world's sake that they might listen to the gospel. But then we are submissive for the Lord's sake. In verse number 13, submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every human institution. Now, Paul here is speaking, or Peter here is speaking about our duty as Christian citizens. Now, our citizenship is in heaven, but we also are citizens of earth. And here he is focusing on our earthly citizenship. He says that we are to submit to the government. In verse number 13, submit yourself for the Lord's sake to every human institution, whether to a king as the one in authority, or to governors as sent by him for the punishment of evildoers, and the praise of those who do right. Now, that is not a call to compromise our beliefs. Jesus does not ask you to do that. Peter does not ask you to do that. We do not compromise our beliefs. You remember what the Lord said in Matthew 22, render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's and unto God the things that are God's. Okay? So he's not saying that we are to compromise our beliefs, but we understand that God has appointed those in authority. Why? So that there might be order. If there is no authority, then there is chaos. There is anarchy. So he says there must be authority established, there must be government, so that there is not anarchy. And so the scripture says in Romans 13:1, let every person be in subjection to the governing authorities, for there is no authority but God, and those which exist are established by God. So we, we submit to governmental authority as Christian citizens because we understand that God has appointed leaders. And the Bible says that it is God's will that we submit. Verse number 15. For such is the will of God, that by doing right you may silence the ignorance of foolish men. In other words, as believers, as followers of Christ, when we practice submission, then we are giving a testimony to the world. Well, that brings up a question. Is it ever right... To be disobedient to governmental authority. Well, let me give you three examples in the Bible where I believe that it is. First of all, when the government intrudes on worship, as in the case of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Nebuchadnezzar had erected an idol, and he said to everyone, you are to bow down and worship this idol. And Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego refused to do so because their commitment was to God. You see, the government does not have that authority under the Word of God. Secondly, is when the government intrudes in the area of prayer. 
And in that instance, Darius, who was the king, said that no one was to pray for a period of 30 days except to him. But what did Daniel do? Daniel prayed anyway. Third is concerning witnessing. The authorities, the governmental authorities, said that no one was to speak anymore in the name of Jesus Christ. And Peter said, are we to obey God or man? So, is there ever a time when it is acceptable not to obey the government decrees? Yes. When they intrude in worship, when they intrude in prayer, and when they intrude in witnessing. Otherwise, it is the will of God. And he says, and we are slaves of God. Look at verse number 16. Act as free men and do not use your freedom as a covering for evil, but use it as bond slaves of God. Honor all men, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the king. We are God's slaves, and in obedience to him, we submit to governmental authority. So he says, now, honor all men. Well, now, that was a radical thought in Peter's time. Understand, at this time, there were 60 million slaves in the Roman Empire. They were not considered to be people. They did not have the rights of citizens. But Simon Peter says you are to honor all men. All. That was revolutionary. That was radical at this time. He says honor all men. Barclay wrote, you are to remember the rights of human personality and the dignity of every man. Folks, that's part of being a Christian. We honor all men and love the brotherhood. I've never understood when people who say they are Christians have hatred towards someone who is a believer, have hatred towards another person. The Bible says that we are to, very plainly it says, that we are to honor all men. We are to love the brotherhood. We are to fear God. And we will not reverence man until, first of all, we reverence God. And then honor the king, he says, even if he's Nero. Even if he's Nero, he says we are to honor the office of king. So he says submit to government. Well, that's hard. So he gives us an example of submission in verse number 21. For you have been called for this purpose since Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example for you to follow in his steps. Jesus is our example of submission. I'm not. I fail oftentimes. But Jesus is our example of submission. The Bible says that he was submissive, Philippians 2, 5, and 6. Have this attitude in yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, although he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped. He submitted to the Father, the Bible says, even unto death. So we submit for the Lord's sake. And then he says that we submit for the sake of conscience. Verse number 19. For this finds favor, if for the sake of conscience toward God, a man bears up under sorrows when suffering unjustly. There are two facts that our conscience brings to our minds or to our hearts that I think he mentions here. First of all, that if one is a Christian, we are brothers. We are brothers and sisters. Whether one is ruler or ruled, slave or free... We are brothers in Christ. And so he talks about a new relationship. Christ gives us a new relationship to each other. 
Paul was writing to Philemon about Onesimus. Onesimus had been a slave who had escaped. And uh, he became a, a, a follower of Christ. He became a believer. And so Paul was writing to Philemon on his behalf to encourage him to be gracious to him. And Paul wrote that he is no longer a slave, but a beloved brother. A beloved brother. I don't know if that warms your heart, but it sure does mine. To think that if someone knows Jesus Christ as Savior, that person, we might not always agree on everything, but that person is a brother. And so there is a new relationship and a new attitude that is brought. Peter is saying to us that submission to authority in a sense is submission to God. Because when we are being obedient, we are doing what God told us to do. So as we submit to the authorities, in a sense we are being submissive to God. When a child submits to the parent, in a sense, the child is being submissive to God. When a citizen submits to the laws of the land, in a sense, they are submitting to God. So, the first thing that conscience brings to our mind is that we are brothers. We are brothers. The second thing is that we are different. Our relationship to God makes us different. But I, I, I don't know how you would process all this, but I know how I process it. And I read all of this about I'm supposed to do this and I'm supposed to do that and I'm supposed to be kind and gracious to people. The thought that comes to my mind, because I'm not as spiritual as most of you are, the thought that comes to my mind is this. Won't people take advantage of me? And the answer is yes. Yes. People will take it. Folks, if you live the Christian life, will people take advantage of you? If you live according to Scripture in an ungodly world, will people take advantage of you? Yes. So what does he say? He says, God is our shepherd. Look at verse number 25. For you were continually straying like sheep, but now you have returned to the shepherd and guardian of your souls. God is a shepherd. That's, that's the way David thought of God. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. But he thought of God as being a shepherd. Uh, the Bible says in Isaiah 40, 11, like a shepherd, he will tend his flock. Jesus referred to himself as the good shepherd. The thing that's interesting is that in the Old Testament, the sheep died for the shepherd. But in the New Testament, the shepherd, or the the, the, the the shepherd died for the sheep. He is the shepherd of our souls. And he says that he is the guardian of our souls. The word guardian is translated bishop. So God is the bishop of our soul. What does that mean? Well, it means that he is the protector. He protects our safety. It means he is the guardian who guards our honor. He is the overseer because a bishop is the overseer. He is the administrator of law and order. So Peter says, as followers of Christ, we are to be submissive. Why? Why? For the world's sake. Folks, we are to live lives of submission that the world might see us and be drawn to Christ. And when they see us, they see humility, not hostility. We are to be submissive for the Lord's sake because in so doing, we're being like Jesus. We are to be submissive for the sake of conscience because it, it tells us that we are brothers and that we are different. We sing the song oftentimes, All to Jesus I surrender, all to Him I freely give. 
I will ever love and trust him in his presence. Daily live. Easy to sing. Hard to live. And I know that every Sunday when the invitation is extended, there is a struggle between rebellion and obedience. Will I be submissive or will I not? And some of you will go through that even today. Will you be submissive to the Lord? Will you yield to the Lord today? Our Father and God, as we come to this time of invitation, I pray that that those in whose heart you are dealing, that they might submit themselves to you. Father, for those who are without Christ, that they might be saved. Other decisions that need to be made, that they will. But Lord, during this time, it might be a time of submission to our Lord and God. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, in just a moment, we're going to stand. The choir is going to sing a hymn of invitation, an opportunity for you to submit to the Lord. If you're here without Christ, that you might trust Him to be your Savior. If you're looking for a church home, our doors are open to you. If God leads you, be submissive to Him. But let's stand together as we stand and they sing, You come, I'll greet you as you do.